When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 125. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. On today's show, we are discussing all the ethical and all the eco-friendly ways minimalists can celebrate summer. Summer is the best, am I right? Minimalist living and summer, they pair so perfectly together. And that's because summer is all about slowing down, living in the moment, extending bedtimes, and squeezing out every last experience. But summer can also mean sunburns and mosquito bites and really unsustainable vacations that often require air travel. On today's show, we are highlighting some common sense ways we can all enjoy a minimalist dream summer while also being eco-friendly at the same time. It is possible to enjoy every second of summer and do it in an eco-friendly way, and that is what I am highlighting today. Specifically, we are covering the importance of sustainable swimwear. We are discussing reef-safe sunscreen. We are also talking about the bug repellent conundrum and how exactly to travel green. Now, before we jump into today's meat and potatoes, a quick note that the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Oregon State University eCampus, a national leader in online education. Pair your passion for sustainable living with OSU's passion for the environment by earning a degree online in fields like sustainability and public health. Learn more at ecampus.oregonstate.edu forward slash minimalists. First off today, we are going to talk about summer fashion. And when I think about summer fashion, the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, swimwear. And a close second is sunglasses. <laughs> so we're going to start with the swimwear first. And when it comes to ethical swimwear, and when it comes to swimwear that actually does what we want it to do, which is stay put when wet, <laughs> the answer is really quite simple. You and I need synthetic bathing suits. And when I say synthetic, what I mean is made from plastic or made from petrochemicals. You can't, or really you should not, (laughs) purchase a bathing suit that does not have synthetic fibers in it. There are cotton bathing suits. They are a thing. 
but the problem with those is they stretch out when they get wet. So you and I, we do not need wardrobe malfunctions this summer or any summer. We need synthetic bathing suits. Now you can greenify your swimsuit purchase by buying one that has a very high percentage of recycled synthetics within it. The recycled synthetics might come from old fishing nets or old plastic bottles. You should look for a suit that has anywhere from 85% recycled synthetics within or more. Now you can take this one step further by identifying where the suit that you have been spying has been manufactured. Look for a suit that has been manufactured in a country that has strong manufacturing protections for both workers' rights as well as for the environment. So garments that originate in Asia, for example, those tend to come from facilities that are poorly regulated. Now, I have listed a few brands in this week's show notes that do a really good job using recycled fibers and come from countries with strong manufacturing protections in this week's show notes. You should check them out if you are on the hunt for a new swimsuit this year. But just quick to note is that even if you buy a new swimsuit with recycled fibers, it's still plastic and that plastic still enters our waterways through our washing machines when we wash them. So consider washing them less Consider perhaps using that guppy friend or that Cora ball in your washing machine to catch those little plastic microfibers before they enter our waterways. Now, what will you pair that beautiful recycled plastic swimwear with? Of course, it is sunglasses, right? But sunglasses, when we talk about eco-friendly sunglasses, it gets a little bit more complicated. It seems to me that every industry these days has an eco-friendly option popping up, and I'm doing eco-friendly in air quotes over here as I say that because, again, many times a company that shouts its eco-friendliness from the rooftops is actually just participating in greenwashing. Sunglasses, the sunglass industry, it is no exception. If you consider yourself eco-friendly and you have been considering purchasing a new set of shades just in time for summer, you have likely heard about the newish trend uh, of glasses made from acetate. Now, acetate originates in cellulose, and it is therefore a semi-synthetic material. So if you have no idea what a semi-synthetic is, you should know right off the bat that a semi-synthetic is any plant-based material, so it's based in plants, that is then altered by tons of chemicals, environmentally damaging chemicals, by the way, to create a product. So it's not a synthetic, right? It's not a plastic. It's not a petrochemical, but it is definitely not a natural fiber either. So that's a semi-synthetic. And I did an entire episode on synthetic, semi-synthetics. By the way, if you are interested in learning a bore about eco-friendly fibers, that was episode 109 of this podcast if you're interested. So back to acetate and back to sunglasses. Acetate could be a wonderful material for sunglasses, but the technology and the manufacturing is just not there yet. It is more likely that a company that is boasting acetate sunglasses understands that consumers are aware of the problems with plastic and are just 
greenwashing you and I into purchasing an alternative product. Because while acetate sunglasses may technically not be made from a petrochemical, the ingredients that make up that acetate are highly corrosive and dangerous substances. They are probably dumping those toxic chemical byproducts into waterways during manufacturing. And that, of course, is the opposite of eco-friendliness, right? So my recommendation when it comes to a new pair of shades for summer is to keep last year's pair around for another year, right? Reuse what you already have. If you simply must get a new pair this year, know that There are wood sunglasses, bamboo, metal, and recycled plastic sunglasses that do indeed exist. Now, one more quick note about sunglasses is that prescription sunglasses can have a really vibrant afterlife when they are donated. Prescription glasses, eyeglasses, and sunglasses continue to be donation items that are in really, really high demand. So if you have prescription sunglasses lying around, go ahead and donate them and do so guilt-free. Many eyeglass stores have donation boxes right by the door. Okay, so now we are moving on to the accessories. We're moving on to sunscreen and we're moving on to bug repellent. We will tackle sunscreen first. (laughs) Sunscreen is cut and dry. When it comes to sunscreen, there's a right and there is a wrong. And the right is reef-safe sunscreen. In the past couple of years, the term reef safe has made its way into public consciousness. It's a new buzzword, right? Everybody is talking about reef safe. But again, the term reef safe is a blanket marketing term because there is no regulation in place to make it so. So anybody can splatter the word reef safe on their product without abandon. Now, There are two major problems with conventional sunscreens. The first is they can be toxic to humans, and the second is they are toxic to our ocean ecosystems. So we're going to go ahead and discuss the environmental implications with conventional sunscreen first, and then I'll touch on the human toxicity problem. So why are coral reefs important? Coral reefs are one of the most diverse ecosystems on our planet and they are vital to the health of our oceans. When the coral reefs go, (laughs) we are in trouble. Now, oxybenzone is the common ultraviolet filtering ingredient in sunscreens, in conventional sunscreens, and it is also the main ingredient that is harming our coral reefs. Up to 14,000 tons of sunscreen winds up in coral reef areas in our oceans every year. Think about that, 14,000 tons of sunscreen. Now, the contrast to conventional sunscreen is reef safe sunscreen. And reef safe sunscreen is made with minerals instead of chemicals. The minerals you'll see on reef safe sunscreen is either zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't live anywhere near an ocean, I am in a landlocked area, I don't swim in oceans, I don't go to the beach, I don't need reef safe sunscreen, you may want to consider the mineral-based varieties simply because of the health concerns associated with the conventional stuff. Some sunblocks contain suspected carcinogens and endocrine disruptors and parabens, which are linked to reproductive issues and cancer. 
Now, when you are shopping for sunscreen, go further than reading that label. Read that ingredient list because Reef Safe is a marketing ploy. It isn't governed. We can't rely on federal regulation to regulate products. We have to become conscious consumers and do it ourselves. Look for a brand that uses either titanium or zinc oxide instead of chemicals. If you are thinking, well, what on earth is that? <laughs> the Reef Safe sunscreens are the ones that turn your skin white. <laughs> when you put them on, you look like a ghost for 15 or so minutes. It's not a good look. It's not. But it's a healthy look and it's an eco-friendly look. If you are wondering, well, which is better, titanium dioxide or zinc oxide? I always go for the zinc oxide sunscreens because the zinc oxide blocks both the UVA and the UVB rays, but titanium dioxide primarily only blocks the UVB. I should also mention, too, that the reef safe stuff <laughs> tends to be a lot more money than the conventional stuff. So it can be really hard for consumers to go to the pharmacy and see the $6 sunscreen next to the $16 sunscreen. That's that's a tough choice, 6 or $16. Just know that going into it, sometimes it does cost more money to be eco-friendly, and this is one of those times. I have linked to my favorite reef safe sunscreens in this week's show notes, including the one that I lather on my daughters every single day in the summer. If you are in the market, check out my handy dandy Stephanie approved list. Now, before we move on to bug repellent, I would like to tell you a little bit more about one of our sponsors, Oregon State University eCampus. With sustainability in mind, Oregon State strives to create healthier people and a healthier planet. Joshua Chan Burgess learned all about that mission as he pursued his sustainability degree online with the OSU eCampus. As his studies took him from Asia to Ohio to Florida, he learned things like the importance of composting and how to be a practitioner of ecological restoration. Learn more about how you can make your impact felt at ecampus.oregonstate.edu forward slash minimalists. When we talk about bug repellent, know right off the bat that bug repellent is tricky. The annual number of people sickened by mosquitoes and tick bites has more than tripled since 2004, and that's according to the CDC. The World Health Organization has concluded that climate change and warmer global temperatures all around expand the habitats for mosquitoes, ticks, and other disease-spreading bugs. It is expected that more breeds of mosquitoes will thrive in the United States. Public health officials predict an uptick in West Nile and other insect-borne illnesses. Here in the Northeast, just last summer, at the tail end of last summer, we had a triple E outbreak. Triple E stands for Eastern Equine Encephalitis, which is a brain infection that can cause death. It was quite scary, especially when a young child in my town got sick. We have climate change to thank for all of these deadly mosquito-borne illnesses, and it's really as simple as that. Now, when it comes to repelling mosquitoes, nothing, and I mean nothing, works better than DEET. Scientists believe that mosquitoes choose their human victims by the scent of the bacteria on our skin and our sweat, and DEET repels it. 
insects because it blocks an insect's ability to smell human sweat and breath. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Now, although DEET is highly effective, it has a bad reputation. And the bad reputation, I believe, comes from the fact that many of us confuse DEET with DDT. They sound similar, DEET, DDT, but they are actually very, very different. DDT is a chemical insecticide that is linked to cancer and birth defects, and it was banned in the United States in 1972. DEET is not DDT. Now, even still, DEET is not completely benign. It is an eye irritant. It can cause blisters and rashes on some people. It is associated with lethargy, confusion, mood swings, disorientation. One study from last decade concluded that DEET may prevent the normal breakdown of acetylcholine in humans, which will then trigger weird movements and muscle activity. Some even older research has tied DEET to seizures and brain toxicity in children. And then there is the concern that many of us mix DEET with something else, right? So how many times have you lathered on the sunscreen and then lathered on the bug repellent? Research into the safety of DEET only measures DEET. It doesn't measure DEET when it's combined with another topical cream. So who knows what the health issues are when you combine DEET with something else. Now, you're probably wondering, is DEET safe for the environment? And for the most part, yes, it is. DEET gets all up in the air when you spray it, especially in those aerosol cans, right? But according to the CDC, the chemical is broken down by sunlight and by other chemicals in the air. In five hours, in just five hours, one half of the DEET that was released into the air is gone. Now, if you are in the habit of spraying yourself with a DEET-based bug repellent and then hopping in the water, yes, DEET does get into the water, uh, and it gets into the water too when you shower or bathe or wash your clothing. But in general, DEET doesn't stay in, in our aquatic environments for all that long either. Now, it is important to repel bugs because one mosquito bite can mean these days the difference between life and death. So if you do use DEET-based repellent, here are some little handy-dandy tricks to use it wisely. You're supposed to spray it on your hands first and then rub it on the parts of your body that mosquitoes love. So that's your neck, your ankles, your wrists. Doing it this way, spraying it on your hands first, eliminates the risk of inhaling DEET as you're spraying it through the air from that aerosol can. This method is also really recommended for children, too. You don't ever want your child to inhale or swallow DEET. And also, you don't really want to put it on your face or your child's face. You should never put DEET on a child under two, two years of age. And you should look for a DEET product that has 10% DEET or less. So don't go for the crazy 30% DEET products. (laughs) Now, some common sense methods of repelling mosquitoes include staying inside at dusk and onward, wearing long socks, long pants, long sleeves when you're outside, and staying away from water that has been sitting around for a while because those are mosquito breeding grounds. I should also mention that there are some natural alternatives to DEET, some natural bug repellents like lemon eucalyptus oil, soybean oil, and those good old-fashioned citronella candles. Whatever happened to those? 
Those are like a staple of my childhood, and now I see them nowhere. Citronella candles. And my grandfather had this awesome bug zapper. It was like a light that he hung from a tree, and <laughs> and the mosquitoes would be attracted to it. They'd go to it, and they'd zap it. Whatever happened to those? Well, that is a tangent I just went off on. <laughs> We're just going to say that I have linked to some natural alternatives to DEET in this week's show notes if you are interested. All right, we are moving right along to green travel ideas. Now, right off the bat, I'm not sure how many of us are going on a fancy schmancy summer vacation this year thanks to coronavirus. If you do find yourself going on vacation this year or maybe next year, I have some solid green travel hints for you. Now, many minimalists really value vacations for their emphasis on moments instead of trinkets, right? But while vacations create lasting moments with your family, traveling has a really bad rap as being decidedly uneco-friendly. The good news, though, is that sustainable travel is a lifestyle choice, and it is not a passing trend. It's gaining in popularity. Sustainable travel seeks to create a positive effect on the communities visited. And Sustainable travel really isn't all that hard. It's it's more about common sense tweaks. Now, the most impactful eco decisions for your trip happen at home. It's not when you're on vacation. It's at home. It's in the planning stages. So as you plan your trip, choose a destination that does not require air travel. The only way to greenify air travel is to minimize it, <laughs> is to not do it. Passenger airplanes admit significant amounts of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So consider traveling to your desired destination by train or by another means of public transportation. As I researched for this episode, I tried to find what types of public transit are the most effective. And what I learned was that any mode of public transit that can seat more than 40 people is considered eco-friendly. So train, bus, um, boat, you name it. Now, if you must fly, you can do so smartly. Stay away from business class and first class. They emit approximately three times more emissions than flying coach, and that's thanks to all the wasted space. Also, if you are flying, pay that extra little bit to fly direct, because if when you have a trip or an itinerary with lots of layovers, it wastes gas during takeoff and landing. One other thing here when it comes to choosing where you're going and how you're getting there is to consider less trafficked places. I've been in the habit in the past, back when I used to travel before kids, to visit those endangered sites before they're gone. I want to see these places before climate change renders me unable to get to them or before they disappear. But doing so, I've learned, does more harm than good because more foot trafficked on these already endangered places, these places need less human interaction in order to rebound, not more. So that's something I'm personally working on on my end is not rushing to these sites like the Galapagos, like the Maldives, like all these places that might be gone. <laughs> When you are vacationing, vacation 
with a singular goal in mind, which of course goes beyond have a great time. You should have a great time. But your second goal should be to leave your destination better than you found it. Now, when you're on vacation, avoiding plastic is particularly important because not all countries have comprehensive systems for managing waste in place. And developing countries, if you're traveling to a developing country, they might not have waste management systems in place at all. As vacationers, it's really important for us to commit to creating as little waste as possible when we're visiting a new location. Now, you might not be able to avoid plastic entirely on vacation, but you can certainly avoid the single serving sizes from the mini bar. You can head to the nearby grocery store and stock up your hotel or your lodging with healthy snacks and produce with less packaging. You can skip those single-use plastic utensils and cups, too. When you're vacationing and exploring, be judicious with your giving of dollars because your dollars can go a really long way in developing destinations. So for souvenirs, seek out the local handcrafted items. For meals, decline that hotel buffet that wastes a ton of food and instead go to a local restaurant, support a local business owner, go off the beaten track and order food that's in season for that location. And finally, after returning from vacation, consider offsetting your extra carbon emissions by making a donation, a tax deductible donation to a charity that fights climate change. Carbonfund.org is one website that lists practical donation guidelines and practical places to donate for travelers who aspire to give back after after taking, essentially. I've linked to Carbon Fund in this week's show notes as well. If you are interested, they make it super easy to give a little back. Phew. All right. Sustainable summers. Here we come. This week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 125. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash one, two, five. I have listed the sustainable bathing suits and reef safe sunscreen and everything we talked about today in this week's show notes. So check them out if you are in need of a recommendation. And a quick little plug, if you have not yet left the Sustainable Minimalists a review on Apple Podcasts, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, now is the time, my friends. It'll take you under 60 seconds. You will have my eternal gratitude. And I thank you for supporting the show in this small way. On next week's show, I am speaking with a guest who has committed herself to not buying anything new for an entire year. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 
96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.